appreciate this opportunity to speak, and I want to just start off by just saying that back in 2003, I want to give you a little history. We had a park ministry, and it was at a park called Hawthorne Park. It's at the corner of Grant and uh, Madison, and we, from 2003 to 2007, we had a ministry of feeding lunch to the homeless and those families that lived around the park, and it turned out to be quite a ministry. Uh, we started in June and usually ended around August to September area. And at the end of 2007, I needed to find a church to come underneath their umbrella. And it was for two reasons. The first one is to have accountability, right? And then to utilize more volunteerism. And so I searched out uh, churches uh, throughout Springfield. And I talked to many of them. I looked at so many websites. And, and they would always tell me, well, in the future, we'd love to do outreach. But right now, we aren't set up to do that. And one day in desperation, I contacted my spiritual father in the faith. Many of you know him as Frank Reynolds. We met for lunch and I shared how hard it was to find a church that would get behind me in this ministry. And he said, well, have you tried Evangel Temple? And I said, no, not yet. He goes, well, come to church with me Sunday. I'll introduce you to Pastor Charlie, and let's see what happens. And so he invited me to church, and I attended that next Sunday. And then after the service, Frank introduced me to Pastor Charlie, and I shared with him a little of what I have been doing. And, and that's when Pastor Charlie said, you know, I've been praying for this for six months, something like this to get behind. And I went home with a smile I could not get off my face for the rest of the week. So I started attending ET, and that was the latter part of 2007. And by the time March 2008 arrived, Pastor and I met, and he gave me a few months to make sure I wasn't a flake. And uh, then he met with me in the spring and uh, told him what we do, how we do it. And uh, that's when he decided that Evangel Temple would get behind the ministry in the park and many volunteers, many of you came out and helped and prayed and gave, and it was a wonderful summer. And uh, I had for some time, obviously, wanted to go year-round. I, I, I would uh, still work with the homeless during the winter, but not in the way as I did in the park. And so I wanted to go year-round. But, you know, Lord has to first see if you're faithful in the little things before he adds to it. And so after five years... I had a friend of mine uh, in 2008 said, you need to talk to a friend of hers, and he has a warehouse over there in Grant Beach Park, and he only uses it once a month. And so he might be interested in leasing out to you. And so I met with this man, shared with him my ministry, and he graciously said we can use his warehouse free of charge until we're able to pay him something towards the rent. And there again, another time, I went home with a smile on my face that was there for quite a while. So the first Saturday of October 2008, 
Inner City Outreach was birthed by Evangel Temple, and every Saturday all year long, we fed two to 300 people a hot lunch, we preached the gospel, and we offered other various helps and ministries. And then, moving forward to the year 2011, we had so many come to know Christ, some come to follow him that I was, of course, now praying for something even larger, something where those that have come to follow Jesus would have a place to be discipled. And so I mentioned this to Pastor Charlie, and at some point later, we decided to plant a work on Sunday, that, and it started uh, that September 2011. September 2011, we started by using the Alpha program, amen? We started Alpha, and uh, it was a success. We probably had around, oh, 50, 60 people show up for the first Alpha, and we did that from September through December. Many of you know Alpha is based a lot on small groups, the small group format. And so the first Sunday in January 2012, we, with around 80 or so people, we started Embassy of Hope Church, January 2012, the very first Sunday. And now this coming January in 2022 will be our 10-year anniversary. We continued the Saturday outreach for the next two years, and then we merged the two into Sunday at Embassy of Hope. And from there on, we still did outreaches now out in the parks, we do them in parking lots, we do them at the homeless shelters, and at the Embassy of Hope campus. We still offer a food pantry every Sunday after church that's fed monthly by Convoy of Hope. And for the last three years, we have offered a really nice clothing bank. Thanks to many of your donations, that clothing bank is led by Stan and Michelle Johnson. So, Embassy of Hope, we started with a strong emphasis on small groups, and that was a byproduct of the Alpha program. And as a church, we would meet Sunday mornings, we would have a time of song and a teaching, and then we would break off into small groups. And we stayed that course for some time with some level of fruit for the glory of God. But then something happened that happened so often, I think, when, in many of Christendom. Over time, we started to fade back into what I call church as usual. In other words, four or five songs, a message, prayer, go out to eat and go home. My goal, my heart, was always to make disciples. And we did the best we could with what we knew, with what I knew, what I understood. And we had some success, but I couldn't help feeling that there was still something missing. Over three years ago, Elaine and I went through what I would call a wilderness season. It was a time of burnout from over 15 years of time-consuming ministry with very little time off. Discouragement, 
also over many that had come to Christ, and then at some point they disappear, they return to their previous way of life. So we took a month off uh, with a recommendation of Pastor Charlie and uh, the men at the Embassy of Hope. Elaine and I took a month off, and that was where the Lord started taking us on a journey, a huge learning curve at Embassy of exactly how to make disciples with the best results. Someone else had recommended to me that if I'm interested in discipleship, I would need to reestablish the small group format back into the church. So for the next couple of years, we tried to resurrect that small group format, but I found out that's not an easy task. We humans, for the most part, do not adjust to change very well. We like our traditions. We love our customs. So over the next couple of years, the Lord started teaching me greater ways of discipleship. But at the same time, I was trying to teach the church about discipleship. And by the end of summer 2019, after two other attempts to establish small groups, we were finally able to establish three small groups during the week with another new small group at an apartment complex, believe it or not, that Elaine and I were going to lead. And then COVID-19 happened. We had to shut down before these small groups really became established and bore the fruit we desired. But as many of you probably know, just because something looks like it's been derailed, it's actually just delayed. Much of the shutdown from March through the first Sunday in June, we were able to at least establish a weekly feeding program for the homeless friends. We were able to provide each week free lunches to the homeless at the vet center parking lot. Much of the buildings, much of the services to the homeless were shut down. It was a pretty rough time. But as one homeless person said later on, I've never been fed so much in my life during the shutdown. A lot of churches came out. A lot of churches uh, helped out in helping our homeless friends. But also something else happened during that shutdown. It was during that time that the Lord was able to teach me even more some incredible things about making disciples of Jesus. And so I found myself for the very first time not only growing in the knowledge of how to make disciples, but why we must make disciples. During this time, it became clear to me that making disciples of Jesus, it was all of our greatest assignment. It was, it was our commission by the Lord himself. And of course, we look at Jesus, was the greatest disciple maker in history. He took 12 men and did life with them. It was a life-to-life -life discipleship. It was relational discipleship. It, just, it wasn't just filling people's 
heads full of knowledge. It was doing life together, learning together, growing together. And over the course of the shutdown, I studied discipleship, and I started to discover that somehow, since the early church, we've gone from making disciples to being satisfied with making converts. In my own lifetime, the church in the Western world has had this fixation. We've, we've prided ourselves even on how many converts we've made and how many have joined in membership, but then what do you do with that? I personally have watched many come at embassy with tears, have a genuine, it seemed, change of mind, received forgiveness of their sins, were baptized, and then after a few weeks or years, they disappear, or at best, they settle for a religion that looks very little like Jesus. An African minister friend of mine from Rwanda He told me one day, this is a huge problem in his native country. It's not just America. He goes, people will travel many miles to come and hear evangelists, crusades, and they're born of God. Then they go on to the next crusade, and they're born of God again. And the cycle goes on and on and on. There is no discipleship. There is no equipping, any any training, any growth in spiritual maturity. And so he has gone back to his native country to do that. Just like our own children born in the world, no one who is born of God has the complete knowledge of what it is to follow Christ. We just don't. When I was born of God, I knew zero. Matter of fact, less than zero. The only thing I knew that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all I ever heard. So we all start out as babes, needing spiritual milk, being trained and equipped until we reach spiritual maturity or some level of it. And so the more I discovered, the more I learned about discipleship, the more I understood why the American gospel was not producing a whole lot of fruit. And then you add real-life studies like the Barna Group and the State of the Church Report, and then you really start seeing clearly what's going on out there in America, in the church world. It's not producing the results that the Father is seeking. I think the verdict's in. We've proven we can fill buildings with entertainment, with exciting stage presence, but by and large, the world is seeing very little of Christ in the people that claim to follow Christ. In a survey by the Barna Group, let me give you a few things. 70 4% of Americans call themselves, identify themselves as Christian. 48% say they read the Bible once a year, and it's got minimal effect on their life. 36% report going to church in the last week. Those who identify as Christian go on average 1.6 times a month to church. Now, here's the final two that should shake you to your core, only 29% believe they should share their faith with others. And only 5% read the Bible daily, and it has an effect on their life. 5%. 
These are people that identify as Christian, rich or poor, young or old, doesn't matter. This is who we are as a church of Jesus Christ in America. I saw this as I studied. And just these statistics alone answered so many questions I've had over the years. Why so many Christians are so content with just a ticket to heaven instead of being a part of this grand mission that God has started from the beginning to bring all things in the heavenlies and on earth in unity through his son, Christ Jesus. Now, most all infants in Christ, newborn believers, after they're baptized, they don't understand. We need to start teaching them that there's a specific destination that God has mapped out for each of them. The destination of every child should be this, Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. That's what a disciple is. A learner, a student, a pupil of Jesus. Real life to life. Real relational discipleship where spiritual maturity is measured by how many people are being loved and led into the way of Christ. How many are coming to Christ and are actually learning and growing and being trained and transformed by following Jesus for all it's worth? How many? And so when I studied the life of Jesus during this shutdown, I saw him every day. Many of you can relate to this. You, you, when, you, when, you, when you watch Jesus every day, he's inviting people into his personal space He's making himself available. He wants to have a relationship with them. And as a result, he would show them how to know the Father, how to walk worthy of your calling, to learn that following Jesus is much more than a ticket to heaven. And when you die, you're going to a better place. But the mission of Jesus is to bring everything into unity. The mission of Christ is to make disciples that will go out into the world and represent him well and bear fruit. Did you know that in the Bible, the word Christian is only in there maybe two or three times? The word disciple, well over 250 times. That should right there tell us what the importance is in the sight of God. In today's word, the word Christian carries with it little responsibility in today's 21st century. With 74% of Americans identifying as Christians, being a Christian can carry with it all kinds of things from political to what you put on your job application. But being a disciple means you have to have this radical change of mind. Jesus said a person has to literally deny him his soulish way of living. And they've got to now with full assurance carry their own cross in obedience to the teachings of Christ. Jesus used some of the strongest language possible to describe a disciple, a student, a learner. There came a day when Jesus told hundreds of people that, listen, you guys are just here for the food. 
You're just here for the bread. But unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my Christian, my disciple. Of course, we all know what happened next, don't we? They all walked away, except the 12. Being a true disciple was not what they signed up for. They wanted the blessings of God without knowing God. And so in my study during the shutdown, I noticed how even the apostles would go from city to city in their missionary journey, and they would plant church, and, and many of them would stay with that small group of people for months, sometimes years, and train them and equip them as disciples of Jesus. Then out of that, raise up elders who can also go and train and teach and make disciples of Christ in their community, in that body. We see in 2 Timothy 2.1, the apostle Paul speaks to young a young disciple named Timothy. He says, you therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say among many witnesses, entrust those to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others as well. Now I have learned, I have learned that there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It is a lifelong journey. And everybody can say amen to that one. <laughs> I've watched over the years a vast number of immature Christians running from church to church who never wanted or had the opportunity maybe to grow to be faithful, mature disciples. And we wonder why so many are hurt by the church. So many have called us hypocrites at times. Maybe even why so many say all we care about is money as they watch leaders of influence live in luxury. Making disciples requires faithful. Here's what it requires. It requires faithful, mature disciples teaching others to be faithful, mature disciples, so they can go out and teach other faithful, mature disciples. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the disciples at Ephesus, let me read this. It's beautiful. He says, the goal of every disciple is this, the unity of faith, to grow, there it is again, to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why must we grow to mature manhood? Paul tells us, so that we may no longer be children. And when Paul says that we are to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, this means... That when a follower of Jesus really desires and hungers to be discipled, to be trained and equipped, you'll be able to now look at their life, watch them, and literally over time, you'll see spiritual growth. And the growth will become obvious, so obvious that you can measure it. 
you will be able to measure the stature of their growth and how their walk represents Christ in a greater way. It's measured growth. It's measured maturity. The rule that measures it all is who? Christ, his life. As someone is discipled and trained and equipped over their lifetime, they will look and live more like the one they love and follow. Amen? And it will be progressive until you take your last breath. And then you'll be face to face with the one you followed. There is a real reason why the Bible consistently hammers us to grow in spiritual maturity. It's because the father, the husbandman, he's wanting some fruit in his vineyard. Jesus made a fascinating statement, I think. He goes, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you. That sounds like a commission, doesn't it? That sounds like an assignment. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, but not just any fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will remain, John 15, 16. So as Embassy of Hope came back together, after the shutdown on the first Sunday of June 2020, guys, I was armed and ready to make disciples. Disciples that really want to grow spiritual, bear much fruit that will last, and who will be trained and be able to, at some point in the future, train others. Multiplication. Go and be fruitful and multiply. That's God's commission not only to Adam, but to Noah, to Israel, to us today as followers of Christ. Now, the downside of this is this. Just like it happened with Jesus, you're going to lose some people. They didn't sign up for that. They just wanted to go to heaven. They didn't want to take the time and the energy to know Christ for all it's worth and become a soldier of Christ. And so since June... We've done nothing, June through December, we did nothing but teach why we must fulfill this great assignment to make disciples. From June through December, we literally covered every base, answered every question, taught every scripture concerning why they need to be discipled and why they need to grow in spiritual maturity. And after several months now of preparation, we at Embassy started our journey through life groups just this last January. These groups take a believer through 50 weeks of spiritual growth. These groups are very small, six to eight max. We share a meal, we fellowship, we devote ourselves to scripture and prayer. Does that sound like Acts 2? The first module is 14 weeks called Growing in Christ. The second module is 12 weeks called Growing Strong in God's Family. The third module is 12 weeks called Deepening Your Roots in God's Family. And the fourth module is 12 weeks long, and it's called Bearing Fruit in God's Family. And at the end of the 50 weeks, those that are leading a small group will 
privately examine the growth of those in their group. And those that have reached a certain level of spiritual maturity will now be asked to lead their own journey through life group and make more disciples. These groups are also asked to participate in community outreach, witnessing, and service. Elaine and I, I tell you, we could probably speak, if you've got time, the rest of the day on all the miracles God has done at Embassy of Hope, Inner City Outreach throughout the, throughout the years, through the last, last 18 years, what God did with an old warehouse. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Elaine and I want to humbly say to all of you, our family at Evangel Temple, that I want to thank you. Thank you for giving us a platform to fulfill what God has called Elaine and I to do. And I want to thank Pastor Charlie, who's always believed in me. It was a God thing. I want to thank the board throughout the years that have believed in what we're doing. I want to thank Evangel Temple for giving an old rocker, a sinner, an ex-alcoholic, the privilege to tell the least of these about the greatest of all, Jesus Christ. If you've listened to this message, I want to tell those here and those in the audience online that it's never too late. His mercies are new every single morning. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you are doing. You can come right now and bow your heart and follow Christ and start the journey of your life to be one of his disciples.